Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Well, it turns out Nikki Haley's not dropping out of the race for president. I know you're just as shocked as I am. You're just as shocked as I am. Yeah, you thought she was going to drop, right? No, you knew she wasn't. She was punking everybody. Of course, the real joke will be how badly she loses in South Carolina tomorrow. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. I was thinking about it. I was uh, texting with some friends of mine last night about the big Nikki Haley announcement. The rumor she was going to drop out. I said, well, she should. Uh, She should drop out, but she probably won't because the establishment won't let her. And as I was listening to her speech today, I kept thinking she's trashing all the elites, you know, the elites in the party, the elites, the elites. And it's the elites who are literally keeping her campaign alive by writing her checks. Actual Republican voters don't want her. And they're showing her that by the fact that they're not, uh, what's the word for, um, uh, voting for her. Right, right, yes. But the elites want to keep her in all the way to the convention, as long as possible, on the hope that something happens to Trump, he's arrested, he's indicted, he's beheaded, whatever it is. And then she can take over. But that's not going to happen because let's just say hypothetically and nothing like this is going to occur. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Nothing like this is going to occur. But let's just say Trump is um, eaten by, you know, dinosaurs, whatever. And he can't. He's dead. They're they're not going to turn to Nikki Haley at that point. There's no there's no way they're going to do that. The Republican voters are just even angrier at her right now after that little stunt she pulled today. So it's not going to happen. And this is this is coming, by the way, as age and vitality questions around Joe Biden. Nate Silver is saying he's he can't win. He's got to go. And even the the far right wing New York Times again, again, coming out and saying Biden can't win. Biden has got to go. I mean, the, the, the drums are just beating everywhere to say this guy's got to get out of the race, because how much worse is Joe Biden going to be by the time the fall rolls around? How much worse is he going to be? You know what I'm saying? As bad as he is now, and it's bad, by the fall, he's got to get up on stage. Let's say it's August, the Democrat National Convention. 
And he stands up to give the acceptance speech and has a deer in headlights moment, slurs his words, starts yelling, forgets where he is, walks away from the podium, comes back, starts saying other things. And the entire country's tuned into this. And that's your closing argument, basically, before the general election begins and really begins. Ooh, I would not want to be in that position if I were Democrats. And that's why I don't think they're going to be in this position. I just don't think he's going to be the nominee. I still don't think it's going to happen. I think all these people who are coming out, all of these people who are coming out and saying that Donald Trump, I mean, Joe Biden, he can't win, he can't win, he can't win. They're saying these things because they're terrified that Trump is going to win. And they know that. You know, Haley had a comment today. She said that Joe Biden is the only person Donald Trump uh, can't beat. I, I mean, like, in other words, like, like everybody beats Joe Biden. But Trump would lose to Joe Biden. I don't believe that for a second. I think Trump beats him. I think he beats him soundly in November. Whatever antics they pull, whatever stunts they pull, I, 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 I think he wins. And I think they think he wins. And I think they are terrified of this, which is why you're hearing more and more of these stories coming out. That the New York Times is upset with the coverage of Biden and his age. Nate Silver coming out and saying, look, the, the guy can't win. I mean, it's over. And Nate Silver was saying this as far back as November. He's a pollster. You know, and he looks at data. And yes, he's gotten it wrong in the past. He was pretty wrong in 2016. But I think he learned from that. And as a statistician, I think he's learned from that. And he's looked at that. But it's not just guys like him. It's guys like Charlemagne the God saying this. James Carville saying this. I mean, all these people everywhere are coming out now and saying this stuff about Joe Biden. So it's great. It's all it's wonderful that Nikki Haley is going to stay in the race and get pounded by Trump tomorrow in South Carolina. Well, I mean, in terms of votes, but there's no chance. There's no chance Nikki Haley's the nominee, even if she stays until the convention. It's not going to happen. All she's doing is just making people angry. She's just making people angry. And everybody knows that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. Everybody knows this at this point. So the only reason to stay in the race is if the establishment is writing you checks and those checks are clearing and you're paying your people and your people are sitting there and telling you there's a pathway. There's a pathway here because all the people on her campaign don't want to have to look for another job. They don't. You know, politics is good money. You can make good money in politics. And if you're running a campaign or you're doing polling for a campaign, media buying for a campaign, you can make a a, a ton of cash. They don't want to give that up. So if you're wondering what's driving it, it's those two factors. It is the establishment saying to her, you have to stay into the convention because you just never know what could happen. The Supreme Court could say he's ineligible to run. He could be, uh, you know, locked up in a Georgia prison. You just never know. You got to stay in. And as long as they're writing checks, the campaign consultants, they don't want to have to look for another job. So they're going to sit there and tell her there's a pathway here. And they'll come up with all kinds of different models to show her how there's a pathway and how she can get there. And and she can't. She can't. But I was um, I was doing some stuff around the house today. When I was listening to Fox News, they cut into her speech live. I had a very productive day doing man stuff around the house. I changed a thermostat. I changed two lights. No, not light bulbs. I changed two can lights. I did. All by myself. And I'm very proud of myself for that. Even though this is stuff that you would think any guy should do. When it comes to home improvement, I'm seriously lacking in that department. But I did these things today at my house by myself with no help whatsoever. Now, it's very possible that 
you know, the furnace may may completely blow out tonight. And it's also possible that the not only the lights may fall out, but the entire ceiling. But I did these things anyway. And I was listening to her speech while doing these things and getting ready to come into work because we are headed to D.C. tomorrow. It is the Conservative Political Action Conference, and we'll be doing the show live from Radio Row. It's going to be a lot of fun. Very exciting. And there's a big reception tomorrow night. I'll be going to be a bunch of conservatives there. And all week, we'll just have different guests stopping by Radio Row. And it's going to be a, a good time. So I was getting ready to do that, to come into the studio today to get all the equipment that we need. And Matt DeSantis, we're getting all the, the branding and the equipment so we can look very professional on Radio Row. And I was listening to her speech. And they're all sitting there. I think the show was outnumbered. And they're like, okay, she's probably going to drop out. She's probably going to drop out. And I don't know. It's just my spidey sense said, no, I don't, I don't think she will. I think the, the establishment is going to keep her in. And she should. And I don't think there's a, an ounce of sincerity in her voice when she talks about a, a, a pathway to, to get there. But a lot of times these candidates have such massive egos that you just tell them what they want to hear. And sometimes that's enough. You know, and if you're a pollster making a couple hundred thousand dollars on this race or you're doing the media buys and you're making a couple million on this race, you're encouraging her to stay in. And they love to hear that. You know, politicians have big egos. They like to get them stroked a lot. And they love to hear how there's a pathway. They never want to come to grips with the fact that there is no pathway. And those consultants at this point can't just jump to Trump's campaign. They've burned so many bridges that their only option at this point would be to start some anti-Trump group like that other stupid anti-Trump group, the Lincoln Project or something like that, or go run a congressional race. But we're late in the game for that. I mean, most of the congressional races have already hired their staff members. So you're, you're basically, you know, Haley drops out. You're, you're, you're done for the rest of the campaign cycle. Now you can go work and do lobbying, consulting, run some other campaigns maybe, but you're not going to make the kind of money you would in a presidential race. So they'll sit here and they'll tell her, you can do this. Here's how. Just don't lose that badly in South Carolina and there's a path. And they'll spin that. I mean, she's going to get crushed in South Carolina tomorrow, but they'll spin it. Like, well, they said we're going to do really bad. We just did bad, bad. Not really bad. Just bad, bad. And they'll say, look, we can stay in this thing. We can keep going. And the checks will keep coming because there is such a fear of Trump getting in there. And a big part of that is driven by Ukraine. She mentioned it today. She said the quiet part out loud. And she said the quiet part out loud when she said Donald Trump would, would end the war in Ukraine and that would we'd be abandoning our ally and abandoning the world and Putin's already got his next game plan and Putin's ready to go and blah, blah, blah. So the swamp is, um, is terrified about what's happening and they don't think Biden can beat him, which is why I think Biden's time is coming to an end. I've told you that for a while now. I don't, I don't think he's going to be the nominee. I don't see it. I just don't. And people can disagree with that, but there's so many voices out there who are saying that he can't win that at some point, I think those voices are going to win the day here. Now, I don't know exactly how they're going to do it. There's lots of different options they have available, but I think they're going to do it. That's why I keep hearing stories about the Biden crime families, the story about his brother, James, you know, making money off hospitals now and the new stuff keeps coming to light. But at the heart of all of it is Biden's age. So my wife was out in California with her mother and her sister and her niece. And they were talking about a bunch of things. And, and my in-laws lean very far to the left. My wife does not, but my in-laws do. And so Bridget tries to avoid political conversations with them as much as possible. But 
She did bring back an interesting observation from her niece, who's a college student, goes to Michigan. She's saying, I don't like Biden. No, he's too old. He's too old. He's out of touch. He didn't do enough for Hawaii. That's where they live. They live in Hawaii. They didn't do enough for Hawaii. And I don't like him. And of course, you know, my mother-in-law defended him. My sister-in-law defended him. But I think there's something to that. And the problem is not for Democrats that my niece is going to vote for Trump. She despises the man. That's why they also despise me. Well, that and also I'm a, I'm a you know, terrible person for my wife to have married. But there's a lot of reasons, obviously. But what could happen is she just stays home. And that's the problem here is this concept of Biden losing to the couch, not necessarily losing to Trump, but just a lot of people just don't get out and vote because they're uninspired by the guy. Now, I think a lot of black voters and brown voters, as the media says, I do think a lot of them are going to come out for Trump. I, I do. I, I really do more than ever before. But the uninspiring nature of Biden's campaign, and this is the big story of the day today. It's brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile. Two offices to serve you in Cinnaminson and Woodbury, right over the bridge, VenariaDental.com. I think that the problem is that he just comes across as such an old guy, lacks the energy, and you may just have a lot of voters that just don't turn out. And if that happens, he loses. If those core constituencies that Democrats are relying on don't show up and, and Trump peels a certain percentage of them away and he will, there's no pathway for Biden to, to win this race. There isn't. You, know, you, need to, you need every Democrat to come out and vote. And you also need a lot of dead ones to come out and vote, obviously, as well. But you need the Democrats to come out and to be energized. And if that's not there and, you know, the Republicans and Trump voters are going to be, and there's going to be a lot of Democrats who, or, or people, I should say, who are kind of in the middle. They voted for Biden in 2020 because they were just tired of Trump's mean tweets. But now they miss the mean tweets, along with the great economy and the peaceful world and whatnot. Then that's a problem. Voters staying home is a major problem. Democrats can only conjure up so many dead votes. They still need actual human beings to vote. And we're not going to have the same problems we had in 2020 with the mail-in ballot fiasco. And I think the ballot harvesting that was done by Democrats, I think Republicans are going to be just as ready to go with that this time around. There was this guy who spoke in Atlantic City recently. He was a Democrat for a long time. And he, and he confessed to all the ballot harvesting tricks that the Democrats did. He said he'll never vote Democrat again. But he spoke at a conservative group that Seth Grossman has. and. He said, you know, look, I mean, these guys, they do this. This is what they do. And this is how you can learn from it. Is it legal? Yeah. Does it skirt the lines? Sure. But that's politics. And that's how Democrats have played the game for a very, very long time. But you have a lot of very unsatisfied, very deeply, deeply unsatisfied Democrats out there. Here's Charlemagne the God from the Breakfast Club. He called Joe Biden an uninspiring candidate. He, um, his real name, by the way, is Leonard McKelvey. And he backed Biden in 2020, but said he won't be endorsing him in 2024. Cut number eight. I mean, Biden does make that an issue over and over again. I mean, he constantly talks about that. Why is it not resonating? Well, he's, a, he's just an uninspiring candidate. Like, you know, there's nothing about, you know, Joe Biden that makes you want to listen to him. That's why he should be leaning on, you know, his vice president, Kamala Harris, who's way more 
charismatic than him. He should be le leaning on, you know, other surrogates like, you know, G Gavin Newsom or, you know, Sh Sh Shapiro in, 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 P in Pennsylvania. Like, he should be leaning on people who have are more inspiring than him, who are more charismatic than him, and he should just be, I guess, if you want to call it, the, the brains of the operation behind the scenes. Like, that sounds crazy that we're saying that about a president of the United States of America, but he, he has no main character energy at all. None. And what is that? Is that age? Is it the way he is? I mean, why, why do you, what, what's the problem? I don't think it has anything to do with, 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 with age. You know, I think it has just everything to do with, with him. Like Donald Trump is, what, four years, three years younger than President Biden? But he just comes off a lot more youthful. He comes off, you know, like he has a lot more energy. And I always say this about them. Donald Trump seems more sincere about his lies than Joe Biden does about his truth. Now. I will tell you that uh, whether or not you agree with Charlemagne the God, what he's saying about Biden being uninspiring is really what the point is. I mean, his criticisms of Trump notwithstanding, what he's saying about Biden is this. He can't get people out to vote for him. And he has to rely on all these other people to go out there for him. The problem, though, is it's not going to work. This isn't 2020. You can't run a basement strategy again here. You can't run the kindly old gentleman from the basement who's going to save America from mean tweets. You can't, you can't win this campaign by surrogates. You can't. It doesn't matter how often Josh Shapiro goes out there for him. Josh Shapiro's not running. Gavin Newsom's not running. It doesn't matter how many times these guys go out there and make the case for Biden. It, it's not going to save him. Now, if they're the candidate, it may save the Democrats' chances, but it's not going to be Shapiro or Newsom because, again, you got the, the white dude problem. You've got the Kamala Harris problem. She wants to be the nominee if Biden can't be, and she's the first black woman on a ticket. And the people like Charlemagne the God are not going to be happy if they just roll her over for another white dude like Newsom or Shapiro. This is the problem the Democrats have. I mean, I think otherwise Biden would have been gone a while ago and it would be Kamala Harris running, but she's more of a disaster than he is. She's more unpopular than Joe Biden is. She can't win. But having surrogates go out there and just talk on Biden's behalf, that doesn't mean a damn thing. You're not going to get that kind of coverage. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what Gavin Newsom thinks at this point about Joe Biden or Josh Shapiro thinks or anybody. Else. It doesn't matter. Voters want to hear from the candidates directly. Surrogates don't save you. You send surrogates to something that the principal doesn't, can't go to for scheduling purposes. And typically at those things, you're just preaching to the choir. You're not going to win voters over with a surrogate. If they have deep doubts about the president himself, about his ability to do the job, about his age and his ability to actually govern, and they're concerned about that, a youthful surrogate is not going to you know, calm them of their fears. A youthful surrogate is just going to make people in the crowd go, why can't it be you? Why aren't you running? Instead of that guy. So that, that, that option, Charlemagne the God, is not going to work. For Biden, it's not. But the other part of what he said about Biden's just an uninspiring candidate. Man's got no energy. Trump has energy. It doesn't see the, the, the trick from the media. And that was John Carl from ABC this week. John Carl and a lot of other people keep bringing up Trump's age too. age is not the issue. I know that people want to make this into an ageism thing. It's not age. It's energy. It's stamina. It's it's the ability at your age to show everybody you're still in control. I mean, hell, there, there are people who are younger than Trump who don't seem to be as energetic as he is. 
He just has a lot of energy about him. And you compare the two and it makes the age point irrelevant. We're not talking about two people here. We're not talking about, remember when um, in 1984, Walter Mondale was going after Ronald Reagan for his age. And, you know, the famous quote back then was, I am, he starts bringing up Reagan's age and everything like this. And, and Reagan stood up there and it was a very great moment of debate. He said, I'm not going to make age an issue in this campaign. I'm not going to make an issue out of my opponent's immaturity and lack of experience, or I'm paraphrasing, but it was a great line. Mondale himself started cracking up. In fact, Matt DeSantis, see if you can find that Reagan line for me from that, from that debate. It was a great line and it put the age issue to bed. And it's something that I've referenced in my book, The Seven Principles of Public Speaking, but it's also been referenced in a number of books because in politics, you hang a lantern on your problem. As the old saying goes, you hang a lantern on your problem and you show everybody the problem's not that bad. You don't try to hide it. But with Biden, the problem is that bad. See, in 84, Reagan could show everybody, my age is not an issue here, man. I got this. And Biden can't in the year 2024. That's the difference. That's the distinction. There are a lot of people in the media who keep trying to say that if you're against Biden because of his age, it makes you ageist. It makes you somebody who's who who's just, an, you know, you're anti-old people. You're an ageist jerk. You're an ageist SOB. It's not age. It's energy. It's vigor. It's vigor and, and energy is what it is. And Biden lacks those things in a big way, in a terrible way. All right, we got a lot to chat about here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Nikki Haley is staying in. What a huge, huge political mistake she's making, in my opinion. She has no chance, but the establishment won't let her go. Not anytime soon, anyway. Don't go away. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Biden's using the short stairs. He's using the short stairs. 
You know, on Air Force One, typically part of what the, uh, the, the so regal about Air Force One is the president walks up the long flight of stairs by himself. And uh, it's a very, very uh, distinguished moment. You know, it's like when they play Hail to the Chief, for example. It's very presidential looking. Biden does not use the long staircase on Air Force One anymore. He uses the short stairs. No, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not joking. I'm not trying to be funny or cute or anything. He literally uses the short stairs. There's a set of stairs that the staff uses, the press uses, and, and, and then there's the long staircase that only the president goes up. And he walks up there by himself. And, of course, you know, at Andrews Air Force Base or wherever the Air Force One is, security is very, very tight because the Secret Service are not next to the president at that moment because he walks up the stairs by himself. If you've ever been around Air Force One or seen the president depart, uh, it's, it, it's, it, it's a whole big pomp and circumstance for a reason. And the, the plane makes the president look presidential. And that, that long staircase walking up and then getting to the top and turning around and waving, I mean, it's iconic, right? But Biden falls upstairs. He falls upstairs. And he did it again today. As a matter of fact, getting onto Air Force One today on the short stairs clutching the railing for dear life, he tripped twice as he was going up the stairs on the short stairs. So when you think about what Charlemagne the God was saying, how Biden is an uninspiring candidate who just comes across really, really old, it's stuff like that. Like Pops has to use the short staircase and he still almost trips twice walking up the stairs. Upstairs. I mean, it's one thing for people who trip falling downstairs. Gravity pulls you down, but you're going up. He typically don't fall up. Biden falls up. I've never seen anything like it before in my life. And the New York Times reported that there is a Secret Service agent who is now positioned at the bottom of the stairs, even the short stairs, whenever Biden boards or disembarks to make sure that he doesn't trip. So there you go. It's not about age. It's not age. It is about his... It's about how, how, how bad his age is. There are people who age gracefully and there are people who do not. And in this case, he's in the do not category. Here's the moment that Ronald Reagan put the age issue to bed for him in 1984 against Walter Mondale in that presidential debate. Take a listen. Some of your staff say you were tired after your most recent encounter with Mr. Mr. Uh, Mondale. Um, I recall yet that President Kennedy had to go for days on end with very little sleep during the Cuba Missile Crisis. Is there any doubt in your mind that you would be able to function in such circumstances? Not at all, Mr. Truett, and I, and I want you to know that also I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. <laughs> Even Mondale was laughing at that. Even Walter Mondale was laughing at that. And, of course, Reagan would go on to win in, at the time, the biggest landslide in American history, 525 electoral votes to Walter Mondale's 13. So Biden could not pull that off. Biden could not pull that off. There's no way. And Reagan never, as far as I remember, ever had to use the short stairs. It's not age. It's vigor. And Biden doesn't have vigor. That's the problem. That's the issue. That's what Charlemagne the God was referencing. This is why Nate Silver has also come out and said they need to get a new candidate. Because every time they look at Biden, 
the voters come back and say the same thing. He's too damn old. And it's not the number. It's not the number that they're talking about. It is the fact that he doesn't have the energy. He doesn't have the, 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 he's not with it. Voters can see that. Guys hiding his own Easter eggs. They can see that. They don't, you don't need to be some political genius to see that. By the way, just thanks to Paul Waters on Twitter, who reminds me the South Carolina primary is Saturday, not tomorrow. I'm so used to election day being on Tuesday. Thank you for that, Paul. I, I'm so used to it always being on a Tuesday that I, I forget that primaries are not always on Tuesdays. And yes, South Carolina is Saturday, but be it a Tuesday, be it a Saturday, or any other day ending in Y, Nikki Haley is going to get crushed in South Carolina. Whatever day of the week it is that ends in Y, Nikki Haley is going to lose South Carolina badly to Donald Trump. Badly. Charlemagne the God on John Carl this week also said that Democrats are the party that cried wolf, basically. Uh, cut number seven. Well, do you get blowback from the White House? Because you even now in this conversation, you're very tough on Biden. So when you when you say something critical, do you hear from him? Yeah. And I think that's the stupid ever because I yeah. think that I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. But we can believe that. I, out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like you should be able to criticize whoever your elected official is. Right. Yeah. And, and even if I do criticize them, I'm criticizing them because of what I see coming up. In November, I see what we're facing. So what I'm saying to them is, where is the sense of urgency? You can't keep saying that there's a, a threat to democracy and democracy as we know it is going to be, be, be gone, but not act like it. And, and the other problem is they've always done this with every single Republican candidate. Since I've been alive, whoever the Republican presidential candidate has been, they've demonized. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's John McCain. It doesn't matter if it was, you know, Mitt Romney. It doesn't matter who it is. They will they will demonize the Republican candidate. And now that there's an actual legitimate threat right there in our faces, they're like the they're like the party who cried wolf. Their legitimate threat in their faces is the fact that Biden loses. Short stairs Biden does not win. Short stairs Biden just does not do it. Here's a little montage. Uh, which includes Alejandro Mayorkas, Chris Coons, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, the governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, Dan Goldman, Corrine Jean-Pierre, Ro Khanna, Janet Yellen, and more. A murderer's row of people saying that Biden is sharp and fit and on his game. Take a listen. He is sharp, intensely probing, and detail-oriented and focused. This is a man who is sharp, who is on top of his game, who knows what's going on. This guy's tough. He's smart. He's on his game. His mental acuity is great. This is a very sharp president. This is a man that's on his game. President Biden is absolutely fit. There's there's not a problem. He's sharp. He's fit. He's always answering questions. He is on the ball. He was sharper than any anyone I've spoken to. He is sharp. Uh, he is on top of things. There's no doubt in my mind that the president is mentally fit for office. Biden has proven himself to have a strong memory. He's completely mentally sharp. He's at the top of his game. That was, of course, America's grandmother slash uh, Buffalo Bill impersonator Janet Yellen at the end. But they're all saying the same thing. You notice that? It's all a chorus, the same thing. All right, yesterday was President's Day. Who's the worst president ever? You know, in my opinion, it's Woodrow Wilson. Don't doubt me on this. We're going to talk about that next. we got a lot to chat about today. I get one skip. I'm going to exercise it right here. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. 
We got a lot to get to today, including uh, new charges filed at the Super Bowl shooting, the parade, the the shooting that happened there. I'll give you details on that as we continue along. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Dan McLaughlin is a senior writer at National Review Online. He's also on Twitter, at Baseball Crank. Hey, Dan, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. How you been? Uh, Glad to be here. You know, I'm I'm glad you're here because your hatred of Woodrow Wilson matches that of uh, my own. And un- unlike you, I have to drive by the Woodrow Wilson rest stop on the New Jersey Turnpike quite a bit. And I don't understand how they haven't canceled that guy yet, but I guess it's because he's a Democrat. But uh, your piece about Woodrow Wilson, very appropriate for President's Day, he really is the worst. Yeah, I mean, I, I think quite reasonably, you know, hating him is a patriotic duty. Um, you know, I, I really think that Wilson stands easily as the worst two-term president in the country's history. Uh, we can argue about him next to some of the guys right around the Civil War uh, who were pretty bad, too. But but Wilson, you know, for somebody who served two full terms, uh, he did an awful lot of damage uh, and can be blamed for things in an awful lot of areas. Let's start with the fact that Woodrow Wilson... I mean, in my opinion, is really the guy who gave birth to the to the modern expansion of the executive branch. I mean, obviously, you know, Roosevelt would pick up that ball and <laughs> take it and run with it. But I mean, Wilson really started a lot of this, did he not? Yeah, I mean, Teddy Roosevelt uh, preceded him and 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 laid some of the groundwork. But uh, you know, Teddy's legacy in the Republican Party is not you know, is very uneven. A lot of people haven't followed in his footsteps. Wilson really brought progressivism into the Democratic Party and a particular kind of academic progressivism. You know, he's he's the guy who gave us the idea of the living constitution and the administrative state. Um, And so, you know, when you add those things together, that's a legacy that that his party has continued to this day. And the guy had a movie screening at the White House. This blows my mind of the KKK film Birth of a Nation. I mean, that alone should get Woodrow Wilson canceled in this modern day and age. But yet, nope. In fact, the film quoted, as you point out at National Review, pro-Klan passages from one of Wilson's books. He backed legislation making interracial marriage a felony in the District of Columbia. He resegregated the military. I mean, the guy was a racist. He was a segregationist and also uh, loved uh, eugenics. Yeah, I mean, he he appointed a state eugenicist who ended up working at Buchenwald. Um, You know, I mean, Wilson, the thing is that, you know, I think progressives today, uh, even those who uh, like Wilson's legacy, are kind of horrified by some of the racism. Um, and yet, you know, it was really of a piece with his entire philosophy. Uh, you know, he felt that, that government should take over a lot of these sort of evolving administrative responsibilities, um, you know, because he didn't totally trust the kinds of people who were out there in the electorate. Um, you know, he referred to making it a constitution of Darwin, not Newton, kind of survival of the fittest. Uh, and some of his ideas about uh, the administrative state he borrowed from the Confederacy. Well, I've always said that there is an unbroken line of progressivism from the Confederate States of America to Woodrow Wilson to FDR to LBJ to Obama to, you know, this idiot in the White House. And 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 it sounds like you're confirming that. I mean, a lot of those ideas of the Confederate States of America, people forget. And this is why I never believe this argument that the parties flipped at any point, because that 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 line is still unbroken. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no question in my mind that, you know, yes, there's some voting blocks in the country that have shifted and some things. But fundamentally, I mean, Republicans are still, you know, the party of Calvin Coolidge. Uh, and Democrats are very much still philosophically, in terms of their, their view of how government should work, the party of Wilson. And just to be clear, the, the, the term progressive that they used, as I've always understood it, they used that term because socialist was a very unpopular term at the time because of Europe. And so they needed their own kind of idea, but it really is different from the progressivism of Teddy Roosevelt. Am I wrong on that point? Uh, Yes and no. I think Teddy, first of all, I think there's a big difference between Teddy Roosevelt in the white house, uh, which was a much more moderate thing than sort of where where Roosevelt went in, in 1912 when he tried to mount a comeback and ended up splitting the Republican vote and handing the white house to Wilson. Um, but yeah, I mean, the branding has changed a lot over time. You know, they, 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 they claimed the title progressive and then that was so out of favor after Wilson. I mean, you know, the biggest popular vote landslide in American history was in favor of Warren Harding, uh, when Wilson left office and basically progressivism was in such bad odor that FDR decided to rebrand it as liberalism. And only after decades of Republicans saying, wait a minute, this is what liberalism is, trying to put a name to the philosophy and the policies, uh, you know, just in the past 20 years or so have we seen uh, a lot of Democrats rebrand, reclaiming the progressive label and moving away from liberal. There's two articles you've written that I love them both. One is called There's No Defending Woodrow Wilson. That was in response to Dave Frum, who for some odd reason wanted to defend Woodrow Wilson. The second piece that you've written uh, is The Hater's Guide to Woodrow Wilson, which I love as well. But let me go to the first one first. What, what, why was the attempt to defend him? What was Dave Frum's point about that? I mean, I think Frum was trying to wield Wilson against, you know, Frum's own political enemies, which is odd because Frum at the same time, is he's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth because he's saying, well, you know, we should have a certain spirit of charity towards Wilson's enemies, uh, towards Wilson, rather. Uh, and then at the same, in the same breath, he's basically more or less saying, you know, but and we should have this charity because otherwise we'll end up like, you know, those troglodytes who hate Wilson. Um, you know, I mean, and and and. Look, I, I have no particular problem with a certain amount of uh, bare-knuckled political argument, but Frum is like the last person in the world who should <laughs> talk about not demonizing your enemies. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, fundamentally his idea is, well, look, Wilson meant well because he wanted America to have a more modern government and, and a greater leadership role in the world. But the problem is, you know, Frum kind of has to admit that Wilson failed at a lot of the things he tried to do. And you can't really tell me the guy meant well when he was this incorrigible racist. And incorrigible racist, segregationist, I would argue anti-Semite. I know that there's some debate over that. Um, Pro-eugenics, he wanted to eliminate uh, any deficiencies in the the races and, and in people in general. But then, of course, also every time we pay our taxes, we can thank Woodrow Wilson for that. Um, the popular vote of U.S. senators. And then ultimately, too, he would get us into war. He ran on a platform of not getting America into World War I and then got America into World War I. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he elevated the idea of the academic progressive in office. He gave us, yes, the income tax, the daylight savings time, another wonderful gift. Oh, I hate him um, even more now. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. 
Yes, there's. There, I mean, it's just you just keep on going. There's all this stuff, and and you know, and the real precedent for kind of what we're seeing today, because of course Wilson had a, uh, you know, a paralyzing stroke, uh, and the White House covered it up, and his wife basically ran the country. And also, too, let's not forget the Alien and Sedition Act, where if you criticize his administration, you could go you can go to jail for that. If the, if the media criticized him or criticized the war effort, that would be a crime. Yeah, they had massive censorship. They locked up. They interned, uh, you know, they interned German Americans. Um, Wilson hired J. Edgar Hoover and and put, gave him political, gave him real power for the first time. So Hoover is also part of the Wilson legacy. I mean, they raided suspected uh, socialists and communists. Um, you know, and, and on top of everything else, there was more or less blanket censorship about the pandemic, the, the Spanish flu pandemic. Wilson never even mentioned it in public while like hundreds of thousands of Americans are dying. Uh, and, you know, clamping down on that information cost lives. I mean, they had like huge outbreaks after men lined up densely packed together to sign up for the war. And the imperial presidency, this concept of the imperial presidency, which is something we're still dealing with now. I mean, we we are still trying to rein in the executive branch. And that was, again, one of his big political philosophies, along with the living constitution. Woodrow Wilson coming from academia, uh, another another big, huge mistake of New Jersey. I mean, he was governor of New Jersey. He was president of Princeton. But the idea of the imperial presidency, something that Wilson's legacy still lives on today. Oh, yeah. I mean, and again, this is this is a, a thing where if you look at Teddy Roosevelt, you see, OK, Teddy is using the bully pulpit, the presidential personality. But it's really Wilson who takes that and get, says, wait a minute, we won't just have, you know, a big president. We'll have a president with this huge administrative apparatus so that it's not just the president himself, but, you know, all of these things he can do rather than just, you know, the president goes out there and gets some headlines. You know, Dan McLaughlin, your point, though, about how it's hard to rank presidents, but undisputably Wilson is the worst of the two term presidents. No question about it. Um, But I think in terms of 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 legacy, there's no question in my mind he's the worst of the worst because of the fact of everything we're talking about now really started with him. I mean, every every problem we have now with the with the executive branch, every problem we have with with uh, the IRS, the the Constitution being this this breathing, living, breathing document Every problem that we have right now trying to rein in the imperial presidency, Wilson began this. I mean, FDR would take the internment of Germans. I mean, FDR would take that, of course, and, and, and you know, he would, he would, he would greenlight that and then include the Japanese and the Italians as well. But it all goes back to Wilson, and this is why I think of all of them, in the end, he's the worst because of the fact of his lasting legacy on the destruction of this country. Yeah, I mean, the pre-Civil War presidents, you know, their legacy was terrible in their time, but nobody's trying to follow them anymore. Uh, And even Andrew Johnson, you can blame him for some of the failures of Reconstruction that, you know, left a very long mark on American history. But again, nobody's running around uh, carrying the banner of Andrew Johnson today. But Wilson is still with us. Wilson's with us, and Democrats today, the, the progressive Democrats today, have so many of the same ideas that he had back then. I mean, the League of Nations, let's just talk about that for a second, right? The, I just saw America just vetoed at the United Nations uh, a call for a ceasefire between Israel and, uh, and, and, and Gaza. Uh, the League of Nations was one of his bright ideas. I mean, the Treaty of Versailles, which was a disaster, which would ultimately give rise to Adolf Hitler and, and World War II. 
This is Woodrow Wilson. Yeah, the Versailles Treaty also, by the way, it, it sold out the Ukrainians to Russia. So we're, we're still dealing with that one as well. And, I mean, Versailles, you could look all over the map from Iraq to Vietnam to the, the conflicts that, you know, came out of that peace conference. I could I could spend the entire show talking with you about this. I, I love your, your work, Dan, on Woodrow Wilson. There's no defending him and the haters guide to Woodrow Wilson. I'll post links to both. Uh, thank you, my friend. Dan McLaughlin, follow him on Twitter, at Baseball Crank. He's always entertaining there. We'll talk soon, Dan. Thanks. The Rich Cioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I may just have to do four hours on how much I hate Wilson one day. Four hours, Matt DeSantis. I could do it. Without question. It sounded like it. I was getting a little bit nervous, so we were running out of the time for the, this hour. That's the only reason I stopped the interview. Literally the only reason. <laughs> I should have done it in nonstop talk and then just taken the entire 5 o'clock hour. But we have Wil- Wilford Riley coming on at 5 o'clock. I'm sure he also hates Woodrow Wilson. I'll ask him about that as well. Uh, listen, Cherry Hill Volvo and Route 70 in Cherry Hill, my great friends over there would love to see you. This is an exciting time at Cherry Hill Volvo. A sensational sale is happening, and right now a massive renovation to their dealership means you have the opportunity to save even more. They have ample inventory. And Judith Krupnik, Yosef Cohen, the entire team, they're going to work with you to make sure you get every incentive possible to get the best price on that Volvo. You will love driving Volvos. They are great cars with incredible technology and major safety features, too. The safest cars on the road, in my opinion. That's why we have the XC90 for the kids with that third row. I drive the XC40. I used to drive the S-Class, which is a beautiful, beautiful sedan made right here at their plant in South Carolina. Either way, we broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, and they stand with us every day and the great work we do at Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. So please, stand with them. There's never been a better time to get to Cherry Hill Volvo than right now. And don't let the trailers and the renovation fool you. That dealership has been in Judith's family since her father started it, opened it in the early 1960s. And now it's time for a remodel. But that means your chance now to get the best incentives possible on a Volvo are right now. Cherry Hill Volvo is the most accessible Volvo dealership to Philly and South Jersey, (coughs) excuse me, right across the bridge. And they are ready to serve you today at Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 